You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Well, this morning is Life Group sign-up, so before you leave, um, make sure that you swing by there and you sign up, and we'll be talking a little bit more about that as we get started. But today, we're continuing in our series, second part of our series called More. And where did we get that from? Ephesians, a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. He prayed for us. He prayed for the church as a whole, that we would know God's plan for us. Anybody want to know God's plan? I do. Here's God's plan for you. Ephesians 3, verse 20, it says this, Now to him who is able to do infinitely more than you can ask or imagine, God wants to do more in you. I don't know about you, you should never be satisfied with adequate. You should never be satisfied with getting by. You should never be satisfied, even, shall I dare say, enough. God created you for more. And inside of what he has promised through Christ Jesus, he can give us more. But he didn't just say that to hype us up. He actually gave us a plan, a process for us to walk in the more. And that's what we've been talking about. We started last week. And I want to just remind you of of this process as we get into the second step today. And it's found again in this prayer in Ephesians 3 that Paul prays. He says this, for this reason, starting in verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the, to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. Here, is, here are the steps that, that God gives and these are steps that we see it throughout the entirety of the Bible. This is God's plan for us to allow us to walk in the more, to allow us to be the free people He has called us to be. The first step we talked about last week is to know Him personally, and we see this in the prayer in verse 17, where He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It starts there. It starts there at the the plan of salvation, and last week we had some people come to know Jesus for the first time, and listen, that's something worth clapping about. We need to get excited about that. When somebody comes into the kingdom, we need to get excited. If you can't get excited about somebody coming in and beginning a relationship, knowing the love of Jesus, you need to rethink and maybe give your life to Jesus, okay? I dare say that. Okay, everybody all right? Smile at me. You're all right? So it starts with knowing him personally, but then it goes into walking in freedom. The next step that God has for us is for us to walk in freedom. And we see that in verse 18 that we just read, and it actually starts in the second half of 17. It says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. What is this love? This is the love of Christ. Here's what it provides in verse 18, that you may have power. The love of Jesus gives us power. Power over what? Power over our past. Power over wrong thinking. Power over habits and addictions and things that try to pull us back into a sinful lifestyle. The love of Christ gives us power to free us. But actually here the Holy Spirit through Paul says something that we need to understand because it's a key. He says this together with all the Lord's holy people. 
See, here is where freedom is found. The key to freedom is found. It's found in community. That God chose to knit you into the body, and you're not a lone ranger. You're not all alone. You don't do church by yourself. The church actually is not the building or the organization. It's together with the people who follow Jesus, that love Jesus, put together. And God knit you in that place so that you could experience freedom. That you could experience that power he talks about that's found through the love of Christ that sets you free. But it even goes into another step here in this prayer that Paul prayed. He says, listen, I don't just want you to know God personally. That's the first step. I don't want you just to get free and stop. I want you to live in fulfillment. So you're an A plus at something. You were designed for a purpose. And some of you, listen, as you got older, you gave up on that truth. You think that basically, hey, I'm just done with my life. My best years are behind me, and I want to tell you something. Please listen to me, because I'm going to use some strong language. That's a lie of the devil. The day you can say that is the day you take your last breath on earth, because that's the day Jesus says, come on home. You're done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But until that day, you were created to be an A-plus at something, and that means you have to live with fulfillment, and that fulfillment comes through the Holy Spirit. When we understand the, what we've been created to do, what God has designed for us to do. See, because some of you think you don't have a special gift, but you don't realize that your gift may not be what you think it is, but it's very powerful. And the truth is that somebody else needs that gift. That gift has not been created just for you to feel special, but for you to launch somebody into being everything that Jesus has called them to be. And I thank God with all of my heart that God put people around me and also I can be that person now that simply may just be encouraging or praying for somebody or smiling or hugging somebody or picking somebody up when they're down. Why? Because they're heading toward everything Jesus has called them to be. They're heading to the more. And that's the next step. And we're going to talk about that next week. But then it culminates in this, verse 20, where we've been parked at is that it's not just about knowing him personally and walking in freedom and being a free people. Because, listen, you can't walk in your fulfillment until you're free. You can't give freedom away until you're free. But it doesn't just stop there. God actually empowers us through his Holy Spirit to go and to live a lifestyle that makes a difference. To do more than you can even ask or imagine. And that's what Ephesians 3.20 says. And that's God's design for us to actually be a, a testimony of the truth that Jesus is on the earth today, moving today, loving people today, drawing people today, setting people free today on the earth. That's the goal. Last week, again, we talked about knowing God personally. And just as a small recap, it's more than the salvation experience. It doesn't stop there when we say, Jesus, I need you. That's where it starts. It doesn't stop. But we talked about allowing Jesus to heal our broken heart those things in our heart that are broken that only he can heal because at the cross he did it, he became our peace, but also allowing him to heal our broken head, to allow him to begin to start to transform our thinking so that we stop thinking one way according to the way that maybe we were used to when we lived a sinful life. But then we also talked about this, that God wants us to become part of his family, and this is what it means to know Jesus more. And when we become part of God's family, it means two very important things. First, we come under the authority, the headship of Jesus Christ. He becomes the CEO of our life. We're not inviting him in on a consultation basis. 
when things get rough or get a little tough. But he becomes the one who dictates and directs our life. But then also he does something very precious. Something that proves that he is a good father. He asks us to call him daddy. He invites us in and Romans 8 talks about this. Because we're not slaves, we're sons and daughters that we come into the family of God and we say daddy God, father God. He becomes our father. And that's what it means to know God personally. Allow him to heal our broken heart. Allow him to heal our broken minds. But also to come into the family of God, his headship, and allow him Uh, us to be able to call him father. But today we're going to talk about walking in freedom, taking that step of freedom. And to do that, we're just going to talk about three simple things very quick. First, we're going to talk about why freedom is the next step. Why did God design freedom to be the next step after knowing him personally? And then we're going to talk about how we receive freedom. And then there's a special key that makes freedom work. So why is freedom the next step? Why is it so important? In Ephesians 3.18, we we already read this, but it says that we might have power. There is a place in our life where we need power after salvation for God to begin to set us free so that we can be truly free people. Why? I already mentioned it before, because we can't be fulfilled people until we're free people. We have to be free people. In Exodus chapter 6, when God was speaking to Moses and telling him the plan that he was going to go and liberate the Hebrews out of Egypt out of 400 years of captivity. He spoke this, these truths to him and said, Moses, this is what I'm going to do. Now here's the thing. Think with me and just, just think this through for just a second. 400 years of captivity, that's epic. That's huge. We can't really see over 400 years of captivity because, listen, after a few years of captivity, your spirit, your soul breaks, your mind breaks, And you just begin to live as a prisoner, as a slave. 400 years the Hebrews were in captivity under Egypt, under the rule of Egypt, the heavy, heavy hand of Egypt. And God raises up Moses and speaks to him and said, Moses, I'm going to cause you to liberate. You're going to be a liberator. And Moses goes, "Uh, you got the wrong guy. They go through that whole thing. But God speaks to him and says, Moses, I'm going to do these four things. And I'm going to talk about two this morning. But here's the thing, that Jews today celebrate the Passover feast, and they have what's called a Seder, which is a meal. And at the meal, they have four cups. And each one of the things that God spoke to Moses to do, that he was going to do through Moses, that he was going to do for the Hebrews, for the Israelites, are, represent, are represented in one of the cups that are shared at a Passover Seder. And the first cup is the cup of redemption. And the second cup is the cup of freedom or the cup of deliverance. But in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, here's what God spoke to Moses and said to him. He said, listen, he says, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. What God is saying here is two separate things and they're actually two distinct cups that are celebrated in a Passover Seder. And the first cup is the cup of redemption. Because here's the deal. After 400 years of slavery and captivity, would it not just simply be enough to be out of the oppressive rule of the Egyptians? Would it not just be enough just to simply be free from the daily toil and the labor and the beating and the death and all the things that were taking place? Would it not just be enough? And our answer on the surface level is yes. But here is what makes God so good and so awesome. Because he knew that even if he exiled the Hebrews out of Egypt, 
that slavery would still be in their heart because they didn't know how to walk as free people. And so what God said was this, I'm going to get you out of Egypt, but then I'm going to get the Egypt out of you. And that's what God wants to do for us. He redeemed us with an outstretched hand. It was the hand of Jesus. If we weren't sufficient to reach up, to reach our salvation, Jesus reached down and pulled us out, paid the full price, settled the debt. But sometimes in our life, we still carry the stain of sin on us, and it gets into our thinking, into our heart. And we're not free people. But Jesus just doesn't come to set us free from the sin and the weight of death. But he wants us to be free people when we walk on the earth. So let's talk about this. Why is freedom our next step? There's three things that Jesus came to set us free from when we decide to take this step. The first is victory over sin. Victory over sin. In Romans 7, Paul has this this conversation. And it seems like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth here. Let me read this to you in, in Romans 7, 21 through 25. So, so I find this law at work. This is the principle. Here's what Paul's saying. This is the principle at work. This is what's happening in my heart. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from the body that is subject to death. Verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. What is Paul saying here? He's talking about this dilemma of saying even though he understands the salvation of Jesus Christ, there's a part of him, a part of his sin nature that's popping up, that's pulling him to go over here. He's having this argument for our sake. Understand this. Because this is the the dilemma that rests in some of our hearts today. God, I know that you called me and that you saved me and that you set me free. And I know that you're a God of freedom. But why do I feel pulled strangely over here? And here's the answer. Because you need to understand that when Jesus set you free from sin, he also gave you victory over sin. And this is the thing that Paul comes to here. And the conclusion he comes to, and he says, listen... There's a wrestling match, and and in my inner man, in my spirit, I feel alive, but in my flesh, I go over here, and here's where the match is taking place in my mind. But who is going to win? Oh, what a wretched man I am. Have you ever felt that way? Don't nod. Don't raise your hand. I know that I have. Why am I tangling with this? But here's the answer, what Paul says in verse 25. Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Jesus didn't just pay the debt of sin so that you could go and rest eternally with him in heaven when you breathe your last breath. He also defeated the work of sin in your behalf so that you could have victory over sin today. Some of you are afraid of that. Stop being afraid. And start allowing your confession to be, thanks be to God, 
who leads me in victory through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Jesus, through you, I am able to be strong. In my flesh, I can't do it. In my flesh, I want to go over here. In my flesh, I want to do that. But I thank you, Jesus, that you created me in your image. I thank you, Jesus, that you made me a new creation and that through your strength, I have victory over sin. That's what freedom is. How do you know if you need freedom? Is there something in your life that you know you're not supposed to be touching that you can't put down? You need freedom. You need to know that the Jesus who gave you victory over sin, he didn't just pay the price of sin, but gave victory over sin. The second thing is this, that makes us free. It's healing from wounds. There's an understanding that we need victory over sin, but there's also healing of wounds. In the New Living Translation in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, it says this, and don't sin, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. See, wounds in our heart that we allow to exist, and we don't give Jesus permission to give us freedom and allow us to be healed or heal us from. What they do is they become open doors for the enemy to put a foot in. And this is what this scripture in Ephesians talks about. And listen, I want to tell you something because the book of Ephesians is just flat out amazing. It talks about the majesty of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, which is you and me. It talks about these beautiful things. And it says in very powerful, strong language that there's nothing that can, that can inter, inter, intersect, can, can get in the middle of this powerful body that Jesus actually put all things under his feet. He's stepping on the neck of the evil one. But you know, the only thing that can give the enemy a foothold is when we allow open wounds to stay festering and we don't allow Jesus to heal those wounds. In doing so, what we're saying is that we agree with the pain of a wound that's been inflicted upon us. And some of you say, well, pastor, you don't know because I deserve to be hurt because of what has been said and done to me. And and you're right, in, in, a, in a very real way, I'm not minimizing any kind of victimization that's taking place. I understand that, and please understand me, that my words fall deeply short of understanding the true grace and healing that Jesus can give, and he can come and heal a wound. But I do know this, what the Word of God says, and I do know this, that if we choose to live with open wounds that are hurting us, that are, are binding us, that are kicking us all the time, that we're not going to truly be free people that walk in the more that God has intended us to walk in. And so what we have to do is this, is that we have to just very gently give those wounds to God and say, God, I'm going to allow you to be the healer because you are sufficient, Jesus. Because you bore everything that I needed at the cross to bring healing into my life. And I'm, I'm going to begin to release this person. I'm going to begin to release this offense. And I know, listen, please understand me. Please look at me. If that's you this morning, please look at me and understand that in deep grace... In deep love, I speak that to you. But here is the truth that, that puts our feet firmly on the ground is that you cannot move forward with open wounds, hurts, and pains in your life. God wants you to move forward. But he provided the solution for you to move forward. And it simply just means this, Jesus, I'm going to allow you to heal my heart. Now, I'm not going to even tell you that it's going to happen in one moment, but the more you confess that and believe that and allow God and give those hurts specifically one by one to God, he'll begin to heal your heart. He's the healer. When Jesus Christ bore his infirmities and bore our infirmities by the stripes he inflicted on his back, those were not just physical things. Those were emotional wounds too. He did that for a reason. He knew that his creation, you, 
and me that he loved so much were going to get knocked about. We were going to get beat up. We were going to take dings along the way. And he said, listen, I cannot allow them to live a life like that. I'm going to take that. So when they come to me, they can experience the healing and the freedom that I can give that's big enough to cover that wound. All right? Third thing is this, authority over the enemy. Authority over the enemy. This is what it means to be really free. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, a familiar passage, it says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this, of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in every and in the heavenly realms. Okay, in a nutshell, here it is, guys, but here's the reality about being free is that some of you are afraid to step out because you are afraid you are going to get two by four by the devil. The devil is real. Demonic things are real. Here's the good news. Listen to me. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. So here, here's the rule of thumb. This is what I want you to remember when it comes to this and being free people. If this is your struggle, and I want to tell you straight up, out of any of these three, this is my, my, my main struggle. Because here is the problem that I face, and this is one thing that I, I believe that, that, that God wants the body of Christ to know. And something I'm going to say very loudly is this, is that some churches still believe that the devil is really big. He's as big as God. That is not a biblical truth. Understand me. And here's the rule of thumb. That if you know God's plan for you, and you know what God's speaking to you, and you say, this is what I'm about, and this is what I was designed for, and this is why fulfillment's so important, the cup of fulfillment is so important, you got to know that the plan God gave you is so much bigger than any plan the enemy can set out against you. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, because the plan at Calvary worked. And if the plan at Calvary worked, that means that any plan the enemy can offer up is insufficient compared to the sufficiency of the cross. All right. This is what God wants us to know. And so these three things, we have to have victory over sin. We're not bound to our sinful flesh. We have to have healing for our wounds, allow Jesus to heal them. But understand that we have authority over the enemy how do we receive freedom? Here's how we receive freedom. In Galatians 5.1, it says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. There's a very uh, well-known parable that we've probably all heard before. It's the parable of the prodigal son and, or the loving father. And, and in this parable, we see the steps needed to come to a place of freedom. And the first step is this, admit that you need help. Admit that you need help. In Luke 15, 15 through 17, it says this about the parable. So he went, being the prodigal son, and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to, be, longed to, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Here's what he realized very quickly and what we have to come to when it comes to taking steps to receive freedom is this, is that our inability is the first indication that we need the help that God gives, that the Holy Spirit gives to help us to be free. 
And this is what the prodigal did. He thought he had a plan. He thought he had the resources. He thought he had the things necessary to build the life he wanted to build for himself that would give him the measure of satisfaction and freedom that would bring him into the more. But what he realized, just like every one of us, is that we can't do it on our own. See, we need the love of the Father. We need the love of the Father, and we have to admit that. We need the Father's help for us to be free. This is sometimes the most difficult for us men to do. We don't like to admit when we need things. I don't like to admit when I need directions. I do not like to admit when I'm wrong. I'm the only man here that doesn't like to do that. I know that. It's my problem. It's not y'all's problem. It's just strictly my problem. But here's the key. The first step to getting help is to admit that, you, that you're wrong. Admit that you need help. I need help. I can't be free in my own ability. I, I need help. The second thing is, is to humbly repent to God and to others. And Luke 15, 18 says this, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. See, the first thing that happened is that this prodigal had to come to his senses. And remember, this is a story. It's not an actual event because Jesus is telling this parable. And you've got to think, if Jesus is telling a story, every word's intentional. It means something. It's important. And so for Jesus to say about this prodigal that he came to his senses is significant as being a first step to say, listen, he had, to, he had to get to a place and admit he needed help. My plan failed. Me shouldering the burden of all these things in my life that I thought I could handle, it's not working. But the next step is the powerful step of humbly repenting to God and to other people. And listen, confession is something that sometimes we stray away from because it means humbling ourselves. but it's so so powerful. And what we're going to talk about in just a minute is a pathway that God designed very specifically for you to become free. Because James 5, 7 says something that's so powerful that we, we overlook and we dismiss. And even, even some religious groups have, have, have un, mis, misaligned this. But it says this, if you confess your sins one to another, you will be made whole. Can I tell you what that means? It means that when we integrate the act of confession, and confession is not beating yourself up, but saying, I need help, and I'm sorry that I tried to carry the burden, and there's not one person here that has not ever been in a spot where they've needed confession. To say, I'm sorry, can I please get help? There have been times in my life that I've had to say sorry, not just to God, it starts there, but to go to other people and say, I am sorry, what I did hurts you. Please forgive me. But when you do that, you're opening up the door for something powerful to happen, for you to be made whole. The next thing that happened is this. To daily choose to reject Satan's lies. In Luke 15, 29 through 31, we see a dialogue that took place between the other son and the father. Verse 29 says, but he answered his father. He said, look, the father goes to him and says, go kill the fatty calf. Get ready. Your brother who was lost, who was dead, has now been found. And the brother who had been there working, staying there. We're familiar with this story. He goes to him and says, but he answered his father. He said, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and, and never disobeyed your orders. 
Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Listen to what the father says to him and why we need to reject the lies of Satan when it comes to our freedom. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Isn't it amazing that the son who lived in the benefit and the blessing of the father decided to live as a slave and not as a son? If anything screams for the need of freedom, it's this right here. And for many of us, when it comes to freedom, maybe you've stepped through and said, God, I've already said I'm sorry, I'm wrong, and, and, and I've humbled my heart, I've made my confession, and I've done that. But you're still getting beat about the head with the lies of the enemy. It's time for you to stand up and reject the lies of the enemy and understand that God is for you. He's for you in your pursuit for freedom. No matter what yesterday or the days before that were like, no matter how heavy or how bound up or how hard they were, He is for you. And that you're not intended to live miserably in the house of God. See, some of you, if you just stop and you listen to your confession, and it's important because Jesus said it, out of the overflow of the the heart, the mouth speaks. So your words are going to tell the truth about who you are. And if your confession is, I'm beat up, I'm broken, I'm this and that, what you're doing is this. And here's a moment of clarity and honesty is that you're choosing to live like a slave in the house of your father. And so you have to reject the lies of the enemy because you weren't created to be broken. You were not created to be somebody that was dejected and living under the bondage of sin. You were created to be free. And in, listen to this please, because this is the revelation the father was giving to the other son. Remember, these are Jesus' words. These are Jesus' words, so they're very important. And here's the revelation. In the Father's house, there is more than enough for you to be free. And so what you have to do if you're stuck in this place is you have got to begin to confess the truth of what the Father has given you. He has made me free. He is healing my marriage. He is putting my feet on high ground. He is causing my tomorrow to be filled with hope according to His Word. I reject the lies of the enemy. I hope that makes sense. The last thing is this, is daily choose to receive God's truth. And it fits hand in hand with rejecting the lies of Satan. And Luke 15, 22 through 24 says this, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put, it on, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine that was dead is alive again. He was lost and now is found. So they begin to celebrate. What did he do? Three things, very important. And this is what your confession needs to be when it comes to freedom. First, he gave him a robe. He gave him a ring. He gave him shoes. He gave him the robe of righteousness. I am the righteousness of God because the word of God says it. I stand right before God. When God sees me, he does not see my mistakes. He doesn't see my yesterday. Through the blood of Jesus, he sees me as righteous. That means I can stand upright before God. And if you ever blown it with your parents, you ever blown it with mom and dad, you know they're going to go off the lid. Your mind's just racing. Listen, oh, some of you adults feel this way when you talk to your parents still. You're like, oh my goodness, I don't want to go tell dad, mom, this situation. They're going to be so mad. Ah! I remember that. I remember that. And then to be peacefully greeted where your, your parent looks down and says, listen, I don't see you as a, as a sum total of your mistakes, but you're a son. You're a daughter. You're embraced. And see, that's what righteousness does, and that's what's so important when it comes to walking into the freedom that we 
put that robe of righteousness on us. And then the ring of authority. Remember, these are Jesus' words. Please, please grab a hold of that. Just hold tight to that. Because Jesus said this specifically. The Father took, put a robe, put a ring, and what the ring symbolized was authority. You are back in the family with full rights. And when you carry the ring, it's not your ring that people are going to see. It's my ring of authority. And see, that's what makes you free. Is when that revelation hits your heart that you're carrying the ring of authority on you, then the power of sin becomes very, very, very dim and faded. And shoes of peace. Shoes of peace. And that's what God puts on our feet. So finally, what's the key that makes freedom work for us? Very simply, relationships are the key. Relationships are the key. In Proverbs 28, 12, it says, He who conceals sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. What's the point? Is that God saw perfect to fit us into the body. There's not one person here that God said, hey, you got a special assignment. You're all alone. You don't have to connect in the fellowship of the saints. You don't got to do what I say in Ephesians where I put you together and I fit you together. You're all alone. You're a body all unto yourself. That's just plum foolishness. But God put us in the body together, and there's a reason. Because the Scripture says that when we're together, we actually begin to sharpen each other. We actually begin to push each other up. I talked about the Scripture in James James chapter 5, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Listen, understand that the context of relationship is really the, the key to which freedom works. Because there's a setting in our life where we have got to unload the burdens of today. And it's not that somebody we're in relationship has the power to free us. But the key is actually this. As we share and carry one another's burdens and as we pray for each other, as we lift each other up in prayer, hey, I understand what Ken's doing today. Lord, I know the struggle that he's going through and he knows my struggle. God, I'm presenting Ken before you. As I grab hands with Ken and I, and I put my arm around Ken and I say, Ken, will you pray with me? What happens is that I grow. I become whole is what the scripture says. And it's God's design. It's His design to make us free people. Let me tell you what Ephesians 4, 14 through 15 says. It says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. See, listen, there's, there's things that are pushing on us in life. There's things the enemy's using. There's the pattern of life, the things that are pushing on us. But verse 15, instead, instead of being pushed around, instead of falling victim, instead of feeling defeated, instead, speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Christ. 
See, it's God's design to put us in the body together, and there's a reason, because there's a need for us to share the the burdens of our life together. Why? Because in doing that, what we're doing is that we're actually defeating the enemy, and we're becoming free. In doing that, it gives an opportunity to speak the truth in love. That's, That's not your opinion. Listen, your opinion is not speaking truth in love. Speaking truth in love is speaking God's heart, God's word. It's praying, putting your arm around somebody. It's checking on somebody. And here's the promise that God gives when we do this and we choose his method and agree to say that you put us together. And I'm, I'm going to say something. Listen, please hear me on this. As your pastor, let me say this to you. What we see today is a unified body coming and agreeing under the name and the banner of Jesus Christ. But it goes deeper than this. You need more than this. You need more than this to grow in freedom. And here's the promise that Jesus gives, and it's this. He says that as we do this, we're going to grow. You're going to grow. And you're going to become the mature body that you were created and called to be, the mature body that's going to fulfill you. Because you've got a special place in the body. There's a reason You've been fitted in that God saw perfect to put you at because it's going to cause somebody else to grow. It's going to perfect us. But as we choose to agree with God's plan of relationship and come together, we're going to grow. And I'd even dare to say this, that we can't fully drink from the cup of freedom apart from relationship. I believe that with all of my heart. See, as a church... We're called to walk in freedom. It's who we are. It's in the DNA of this house that people would know the freedom of Jesus Christ and that they would live in that freedom. That they would live as fulfilled followers of Jesus. But understand this. It starts with relationship. And the ministry this morning is going to be done a little differently. It's not going to be done up front. It's actually going to be done in the back. I'm going to challenge you, many of you, and I want you to get excited about it, really, because this is an opportunity. It may stretch you a little bit, but this is an opportunity that we're starting our small groups, our life groups, the first week of September. In the back, when you walked in, you noticed some tables with some, some, some picture frames and some stuff out there. And what you're going to see is this. The first week of September, September the 6th, after Labor Day, they're going to start is that you're going to notice back there, up against that wall, our life groups are going to be happening on Wednesday night because we're not going to be meeting together traditionally like we've been doing for the last little semester in the sanctuary. We're going to be meeting in small groups. Some will meet here. Some will meet at houses. And then the two tables running this way are a combination of men's groups and women's groups and interest groups and groups for couples. And here's what I want every one of you to do is I want you to walk through there and I want you to ask yourself and and ask the Lord and say, God, if I believe this to be true, I need to be in one of these groups. God, direct me to where I need to be because I want to grow in freedom. Because this is what I believe. Out there, there's about 16, 15, 16, that I believe this, that many of you here are called to lead a small group. But it starts with getting in one. It starts with taking that step and getting in one. 
And please understand me. Everything in you that's fighting you and saying, no, that's not for me. Please take a second and, and please pray. And please ask the Holy Spirit. And say, Holy Spirit, will you lead me? Because what if I told you, more than ever coming to the front and having somebody lay hands on you, sitting in a worship experience, and freedom comes to those things. Freedom comes to those things. That's why we do them. But what if I told you your vehicle of freedom is back there today? If I told you that your, your vehicle of freedom is back there, would you sign up? You would. Because you love freedom. That's what God's called you to do. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord, for this wonderful congregation, Lord, that you love so much. And I thank you, Lord, for this house, God. This house that's been called to see the freedom of Jesus shown, Lord God. We thank you for that, Lord. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would speak to every heart, Lord God, that you would guide and lead our hearts, Father, to take a step today, this morning, to, to say, God, let us connect in community in a real way, Lord, that brings freedom. Holy Spirit, I pray for boldness, God, for every person to say, God, maybe it's a little bit stretching, but, but stretch me. Lord, and I pray for excitement, God, to fill our hearts. Lord, as you're doing the work and as, Lord, you're leading people to Jesus, as you're calling people, this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made Jesus Christ, you even started at that first step of knowing him personally, and you don't know Jesus Christ, all I'm going to ask you to do with every head bowed and every eye closed, just to look up at me really quick. I want to make sure there's anybody here that wants to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning as we close, take a second. Take a second and go back there and sign up. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. That whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We love you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. As you stand to your feet, let's just give Jesus a praise. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful day. All right. I promised, I promised a special treat this morning for everybody, the, the young at heart. And so this morning we have a, um, a selection of ice cream for you as you go back and as you sign onto your small groups. And understand that there's, some, there's limited space in some of these small groups, so make sure you do it quick. Um, but there's ice cream sandwiches and fruit bars. So enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Have a great, great Sunday. We love you. Look forward to seeing you.